0: The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome in to Kickin' Ass. Sorry, kicking It. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself after uh, the last week's events. Um, so anyway, welcome up to kicking it. I'm, uh, I'm Jeff Woody. I'm technically the host of this, but Grant Mahoney is also here and, uh, we're co-hosts co-host Grant yeah. Mahoney.
1: Yeah, and- I would say that, you know, I, I was host for a couple, couple weeks. One time recording on a potato, didn't know what I was saying. Probably couldn't hear what I was saying. The other time me and Aiden, yeah, just kind of finding our groove and
0: wasn't really sure what kind of ads I was supposed to say. So I was like, <laughs> Jeff's probably better at this than I am. Speaking of ads, this is sponsored provided uh, kicking it is provided by Kelderman Manufacturing kelderman.com if you want to we are in the uh, christmas season if you want to gift somebody something that they really are actually going to use cuz you know a, a lot of times you're looking for something like my dad old farmer doesn't really you know if he need something he's going to buy it so you got to like get in with a group of people to buy him something he's actually going to use like a new power tool or whatever if that's uh, that's your boat you got laser cutting you got anything that anything you need to do as far as heavy machinery is concerned Calderman.com. Um, we are here in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios. Aiden White is uh, behind the board. We're going to hear at least a little bit from Aiden throughout the day because you guys have actually been to games this year. I haven't. Uh, and this is going to be a pretty much basketball only podcast because there wasn't really any news as far as football is concerned.
1: The only thing I'd really say is um, Deshaun Hanika committed to Kansas. Which is good for him. Yeah. Honestly,
0: like good for him. The dude's yeah. from Kansas. Uh, he was actually an intern for us uh, for a, a little bit because he's in. Know that. Nice. He was uh, a. Human sciences, getting his undergrad in kinesiology, human sciences, and getting his master's in business. So he was just kind of like hanging out with me, and you know, when you run a business and it's gym, it's sort of like a fit. But then all the shit started to happen, and so then he kind of wasn't really available to, you know, come do as much stuff. But he's a really nice guy. Like he's super hardworking. He's great, great to interact with people. He's from Kansas. Like he's gonna be able to be around his family, and like he, one of those guys that just got steamrolled by the system that shouldn't have. Uh, so you know, should you bet when you're a college athlete? No. But this he was one of the guys that wasn't really betting on anything Iowa State related, especially not his own team. So like, I don't know, he got screwed by the system. So now he gets to go like compete on a fun offense, even though um Kotelnecki is at Penn State, but like he gets to compete in a fun offense because it's Lance Leipold He gets to be close to home, like good for him. I hope that Sean Hanukkah does really, really well and gets a shot to to go ball out. But that's really the only football news. Yeah, it was
1: good to see him land on his feet too, somewhere that's Good. You yeah, know. he's a good player too. Yeah, and, uh, and it's
0: also kind of one of those things that like uh, with If he was it's you know, if he was still here Then Ben Bramer probably wouldn't have had the same amount yeah. of options because they play the same position even though yes You know Tyler Moore and and Gabe Burkle and Easton Dean they all play tight end and Steve O'Klotz They all play tight end, but the primary receiving tight end the Charlie Kohler Moore esque position that was Ben Bramer, but that was what Deshaun Haneke played. And so, like, if Hanukkah would have played, Bramer wouldn't have been able to get as many reps as he did. So, Iowa State gets Ben Bramer. Kansas has Deshaun Haneke. Everybody gets to be happy. So, that's one of those things, like, the, the good part of the transfer portal that he wouldn't have to sit out another year because he already had one year more or less stolen from him from the whole gambling garbage that happened. So, like... Good for him. Everybody ends up happy. Everybody ends up landing on their feet. The, the only
1: thing I would say too in uh, football news, and I'm not trying to make any speculations, but I do know that Cartavis is Norton, Cartavis Norton's high school quarterback, is a quarterback for Boston College. And I saw that um, Cartavis had an offer from Boston College, so it might be something to watch out for. Yeah,
0: good for him. Yeah, yeah. It's one. This is, I mean, while before we start get into basketball talk, transfer portal. I feel like 95% of the time, the transfer portal having no restrictions on it is a good thing like the no missing a year because most of the situations are going to be like that where like not necessarily Deshaun Haneke is is way different relative to the you know most situations but like it's Cartavius Norton like he's sterile down the barrel of going from being the primary back to probably because of as good as Abu Sama is 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 and is going to be and with Carson Hansen getting better and they have another guy who's going to be in the army all-american game who's going to be a freshman like you're staring down the barrel of a lot more competition. So even if you're at your best, you're gonna get 12 carries a game. Well, I'm, I play running back. Like I I want to go to a place where I can get 18, 20, 25 carries a game. And if that's the case, you wouldn't even at your best do that at Iowa State because of the backfield situation. So go somewhere where you can do that, where you you only get five years maximum, unless you get a COVID year, you only get five years to actually play. One of them's gonna be a redshirt. You only get four in your whole life if you had to sit out a year, then you're going to go and not be able to maximize what your college experience is going to be with being in a college athlete with the, again, you only get four years and most people can't, aren't going to play in the NFL. And it's not like in basketball, you know, you can go play overseas. You can play in the G league. It's like NFL or bust. Like maybe you can play for in the USFL for, you know, like 30 bucks a game or whatever it is. it is. It's not really worth it outside of playing in the league. And most people aren't going to do that. So it feels like like those situations in the transfer portal are great. It lets guys go to places where they can actually play the, you know, 5% of it is that it's like the crazy, the Dylan Gabriel, the Dylan where, Gabriel's like, you're
1: not going to play in the NFL. You want to go get a bag. before Right. And
0: I mean, good for him. And like the, you can't be mad at him for doing that. I do the same thing. If he's smart about it though. I mean, if
1: say he is getting 2 million, I don't know what it is, but that's, that's rumored that, you know, that's what Matt rule said that quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks are costing 2 million, 2.5 million, which is insane. Say he does get 2 million. If he's smart with that money he can retire at an early age and he can set himself up financially yeah for, good for him yeah good and, for him and there's a good chance that he is not going to play in the nfl if he does he's probably gonna bounce around you know from training camp to training camp he's probably not going to be you
0: know a brock purdy out there right but and at that point you know good for him it, it's a weird market and it feels like that's that's where most of the news is but like i'll kind of equate it to the the interactions with referees which you know football and we said we're not going to talk about football um I will have, one, there is one football thing that I, I just realized it was talking about. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they're becoming one of the least likable teams in the NFL to me. Like, So I don't have a fan, I don't have a fandom. Like, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before. I grew up a Broncos fan. And then uh, as I was playing, then you have like AJ goes to play for the Panthers. And then he goes to play for the Saints. And you're like, oh, I'm rooting for them. And KO's playing for the Ravens. And then he's playing for, you know, the Raiders. And you're like, oh, I'm rooting for them. And then Leonard Johnson plays for the Buccaneers and the I'm just rooting for my teammates. And then all of a sudden you're like, I just like watching football. And so I just stopped having a team because my teammates were playing on other teams. And uh, so I've gotten pretty good at not really having a rooting interest until you like start watching the game. And you're like, Oh, I mean, there are certain teams like underdogs. Like I want the Lions to do well because it, what it means to the city and the Dolphins are fun to watch. And like you have teams that you sort of like better than others. But for the most part, I'm going and watching it, going in cold. Like no expectation. I don't have a rooting interest. And if you go in cold and just watch the Chiefs without a rooting interest, try and take any glasses off, their offense is fun to watch generally because Mahomes and Kelsey are like, I mean, they're the best. Magicians. Quarter- best quarterback tight end combination that's ever existed. And it's not close. Uh, Gronk is... You Gronk and Brady, but they are more conventional. In the it's just Gronk is six seven and two seventy and strong and fast. Gronk, but if you watch the Chiefs and usually Mahomes is on the the likable side. If you look at Chris Jones, Chris Jones might be the dirtiest player in the NFL as far as cheap shots, complaining to the referees. And who is that? He's the number ninety five defensive tackle. He's a big, terrific player, terrific player, dirty as hell. Hmm. You look at the Charles Mennehu, who's the other defensive end they just picked him up dirty as hell like just cheap shots after the whistle false starts jumping across and then the whole Kadarius tony lined up off sides and i i would like to just i i, I wonder if uh andy reed and pat mahomes got a chance to actually watch the play before they went on the mic or if they just did it based on their gut reaction of what happened in the moment because of course in the moment you're like, oh, how could he have been offside? We got screwed. The dude was a body and a half in front of the back of the ball.
1: And you, you're you supposed to. I, I played receiver in high school. You're supposed to look at the ref and Yes, on? you ask. Am I on? You ask. And he did not. And no, he, said that. he didn't. Did you see what Rex Ryan said about that play? No. So Rex Ryan uh, it's, has a known foot fetish. And so um, I, I don't know if it was on Get Up or what it was, but they asked him about it. And Rex, Rex Ryan was like, you may not want to take a drink when I'm saying this. Um, <coughs> Rex Ryan goes, you know, I like toes, but I don't like
0: the toe there. <laughs> right? I, I, I didn't like that toe. Rex, it's 8.30 in the morning, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy, keep it in your pants. I keep eat toes for breakfast. Keep it in your pants. One one thing quick. There was a video that was on Twitter of Kadaris Tony. He appears to look at an official, but he doesn't wait for it anything in return and honestly so my wife has actually asked about that like what are they doing when they when they wave their hand around and they line up is so if you for those most people would probably know this if you played football but if you if you haven't and you're somewhat the, the wide receivers come out and they're going to put their hand in one of three places Two mean the same thing so they're going to put their foot on and they're more or less going to get in their stance and they're going to look over at the referee and they're going to put their hand forward like in a fist they're going to put their hand forward like straight out like they're giving trying to give nucks to some imaginary person in front of them or they're going to put their fist to the ground what that means is i am intending to be on the line of scrimmage and as he's looking at the referee and the referee will give him a thumbs up or like you know confirmation give confirmation that like him saying, I'm intending to be on the line of scrimmage. Am I on the line of scrimmage? So you put your fist forward, put your fist down. If you put your fist kind of like backwards, sort of like uh, like at a, a, a basketball player at the free throw line gets kind of dap from one of the guards behind him and kind of put your hand like behind ta- you. Like
1: you're taking a baton. In, yeah, in, a, in track, track and field.
0: field. Like you put your hand back like that, that means I'm intending to be off the line of scrimmage. Am I off the line of scrimmage? And the referee is going to do that. Kadarius Tony did not do that. Okay. If I think the complaint with the Chiefs when Pat Mahomes was losing his mind, saying that I've never seen that call ever and you should get a warning and whatever, the dude started offsides. If that ended up in an interception, then that play wouldn't have counted, right? Like, I, I believe that's, you. they could have denied the penalty because it's like an offsides, but like, if that play didn't end up successful, it's still a penalty, you would have gotten five yards back and could do it again. So if you're supposed to give a warning, you guys were trying to run a hurry up the referee probably didn't have a ton of time to run in to get Kadarius Tony's attention to say, "Hey, you need to back up." Professional athlete who's done this several thousand times, and the refs will do that for you. If, if they will,
1: yeah. If you're off, if you're offline, you know, they'll, they'll kind of give
0: you a scooch back. And I, I, the the last thing I'll say before we get into basketball is like, when I use the the, the officials are usually right. Like most of the time, officials uh, officials are like police officers in that as long as you are. More like most interactions with that. If you've, if you are friends with, if you know any police officers, generally speaking, and this is, you know, community specific and it's all different, but like most of the time, if you interact with a police officer and they're like a traffic cop or at an event or at, you're walking around the tailgating lots and you're like, Hey, how's it going, officer? Uh, how's it going? You know, uh, nice weather outside. Like it's mostly pretty pleasant. And like if you watch hard knocks, you'll see like the coaches and the players like, you know, talking shit with the officials being like, man, what kind of shoes are those, dude? You got to get yourself some new kicks or whatever. Like that's what most of the interactions the officials are and just like a police officer, they generally don't want to give you a ticket. They don't want to arrest anybody. They want to make sure like, hey, just get out of here. Like most of the time, that's the interaction. So like use them to your advantage. So when the Chiefs went and like completely complained about everything and saying like, oh, we're getting screwed. Nah, bud, like (laughs) y'all- That's the worst call I've ever seen. (laughs) Y'all have gotten more calls in big moments Last year in the Bengals game, Pat Mahomes is almost out of bounds. And is, I think Joseph Osai might've been the Bengals player that, that pushed him. They gave him 15 yards, Buckner hits the, the game winner. Easy money. Okay. That was a questionable call. Probably right, but kind of on the, on the borderline. And then the pass interference that, or the whole defensive holding against the Eagles, which was absolutely not a holding, which put them into field goal range. Again, they win the Super Bowl. You win the AFC championship and the Super Bowl on sort of questionable calls, and now we're complaining that the NFL's out to get them this year because a guy lined up a whole body off sides, get over yourselves. As a neutral observer, as a person who does not have team, doesn't have a team, I don't care who wins. The Chiefs are an extremely unlikable team at this moment.
1: Tell to Josh Lyons, man, he'll fight you in the street.
0: Boy. I mean you're, it, Mahomes tried to go after a referee like he had to be held back from going after a referee yeah it was silly that was dumb you know what's not dumb winning basketball games man being the, beating yeah. the Hawks by a zillion points
1: it's nice that Iowa State you know had another nice and easy non-con game and then <laughs> and then Prairie View, came <laughs> Prairie View.
0: yeah before we recorded you were like I'm gonna talk so much shit about Iowa so let's just just get in like if, if you're interested in that Hang on, guys. The fans want to know, is Prairie View A&M better than Iowa? They sure looked like it. I, uh, it, It is interesting when you watched Iowa in that I don't think that their season is going to end up as poorly as what they played against Iowa State. Like, they're going to figure some things out. But we were talking beforehand. One of the things that when you watch Iowa State, when you watch the Iowa State men play the Iowa men. It was sort of like watching Caitlin Clark play against the Iowa State women, for the most part. Which is that they were just faster, like they were faster and more athletic and more explosive than the other team. Iowa State's men's team was a one through five. They were tougher, faster, stronger than Iowa's one through five. Whoever you're putting up, putting them up against, like the Iowa may have a better bat, true basketball player, like a, a hooper at that position. Robert Jones and Trey King don't give a shit about being a great hooper. They're gonna put an elbow through your neck, and you have to deal with it. And I, Iowa couldn't deal with it. I told you, I said Rob Jones is gonna
1: take their big man, stuff him in a locker, <laughs> did. take his lunch money, and now he's currently dating his girlfriend. And
0: I uh, unconfirmed, it. unconfirmed.
1: Oh yeah, unconfirmed, unconfirmed. But I mean, I I, I mean no disrespect to cross country runners, but the Iowa team out there they looked like cross country runners. Like I don't know if they have a weight room facility in the Iowa basketball facility. If they don't, they should invest in one because they looked. They look soft out there. They look like that. They don't want anything. They were, they were shy away from contact. They, none of their bigs were, I mean, wanted any contact Rob Jones and, and Trey King just really did whatever they want. I mean, they went a combined, I don't know, they combined for Rob Jones, went six for six. I do know
0: that. Um, I think they I think they missed two shots. I think It was like 11 for 13. I think it was like 14 for 16 okay. or something in, in that range. But either way, I mean, it was, it was, and the thing is, is like, generally speaking, what can you take from this going forward? That to me, you know, it's as enjoyable as it is to beat Iowa so soundly in basketball, 14 to
1: 17,
0: as, as enjoyable as that is, you want to think like, what can you do to take this forward Uh, a couple things? And then just like layering the Prairie view, a and M game on top of the Iowa game of just like what the last week has been, uh, it feels like with, you know, when we talked, uh, last week of saying like, as long as two of the guards are on, then your offense is going to work. Well, it feels like both Lipsy and Gilbert were on against Iowa. And then it felt like Kurt Jones and Lipsy were on against AM. and m was sort of pretty good in both He's a glue guy. I yeah. like Pav. And like moves the ball around, gets offensive rebounds, has a lot of like the transitionary stuff, whether there's a, if there's a loose ball, like one of the things that's really nice that Taman and Pav, I feel like do the best of is when there's a loose ball or like a pass gets tipped or something like that they're not just looking to like dive on the ball and then sit on it and just, oh, let's dribble it out is they recognize even as they're going for that loose ball, where does this ball need to go for the best outcome on this play? Like if it's an offensive loose ball in the offensive end, let me get on it and then kick it out to Trey King. Who's out, you know, out wide. And then we're going to swing that back to Tayman and now we're reset. But if it's on the defensive end, a lot of times he's already looking to put, both of them are already looking to push it and see if they can get it to, you know whoever's streaking down the court and it feels like they're just making good decisions so when you layer in the prairie view a m and the iowa game Taman being on Keyshawn being on pav being consistent and then kurt jones finally cons- had a comfortable jiggy jiggy. he was comfortable in his shooting and if you can get that Comf- like you
1: look confident too, how that's much
0: half the battle i mean how much more when you get the, further down the road how much better is it going to be for king and Momchilovich and even Omaha, who played at least a little bit better against AM once he starts to get his feet, you know, and Hassan Ward, when he comes back, if Kurt Jones can be, you know, the, the 40 something percent that it's that we've heard that he's going to be Keyshawn Gilbert was three for three in threes against Iowa. If he can be a threat and Taman can shoot in, I can think he's in the, somewhere in the, the upper thirties or forties percent from three and Pavletski, if you leave him open is going to nail it. So if Kurt Jones can be that sniper and the other three guys can be, you know, upper thirties, low forties, how much further out does that draw the defense, which makes then Hassan Ward, Trey King, Rob Jones. I think that's what happened against Iowa is that because of how good the guards had been, you couldn't help off of the guards, which then meant the overmatched center or like the post players for Iowa had to man to man, like had to try and hold up against grown dudes and they couldn't. And then if you're trying to sag off then it kicks back out to gilbert and jones and lipsy and pav and they're going to shoot it and like it feels like with the consistency that the post players have played and getting the the other kind of the transfer guards getting more comfortable this team feels like it doesn't it, it's not just like a flash in the pan against iowa it feels like they're going to be able to continue to build on this because of how consistent they've been
1: yeah i mean and, and the team they're still they're still gelling they're still new i mean you look at the roster and really only Lipsy and and Rob Jones, a little bit of Trey King. He came on, you know, he second, uh, semester last year, I think is when he was able to first.
0: And, yeah. And Hassan Ward towards the very, very
1: end. Yeah. So I mean like you, you look at the roster and, and Lipsy and Rob Jones are really the only two guys that got significant minutes the entire year last year. When you're looking at the roster, I mean, every, everyone else is new yet, uh, Damarian Watson who plays a little bit, but they're still figuring out each other's, you know, everyone's nuances and you know, who's going to be where and, and, I think this team's starting to gel really nicely. Um and I just I really enjoy the balance of the team because like you were saying, you, we can we can bang it down low and then, you know, say say we were to run into um you know Hunter Dickinson for for Kansas. You know, he's he's probably you can be tough down low for mm-hmm. for Rob Jones and Trey King. So our guards are gonna need to step up, but it's like Iowa State is so dimensional at all levels that um yeah, we're, we're gonna be a hard team to 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 stop. Um and then, you know, once Iowa State plays the, the that tough defense that they play, um yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I've seen a tough, a tough out for, for teams as we go on.
0: The two things that concern me a little bit about this team going forward are, uh, free throws are still not awesome. I think they're like 68% from the free throw line and turnovers, which when you're boat racing people, it's not as big of a deal because you're forcing so many, but against teams like Houston and Kansas and you know, fill in the blank, other big 12 schools that the amount of turnovers when they start getting going too fast feels like it's a bit of a problem. And, and bloom and, and Williams and bloom on their Sunday pod talked about how hard they're going to be to beat at Hilton. Well, what happens away from that? They're yeah. still a consistent offensive threat because of how deep and balanced they are generally, but can they just eliminate the amount of mistakes that they make, whether it's in transition or turning the ball over that they can the turnovers on the defensive end are gonna be able to benefit them more than their their turnovers on offense are going to hurt them.
1: Well I I think too kind of what Nate had said last week when he talked to Lindell Wigginton is he said that that Wigginton enjoyed playing against better teams because defensively they he knew where they were supposed to be. Whereas these teams like Prairie and M or, or Fam you who are playing on, on Sunday, they're not quite as good so they might not be in the right position. So we saw, you know, Iowa State had twenty five turnovers versus Prairie and M. But then versus Iowa didn't have as many like like there was eleven I think like yeah like like Pav only had you know he had no turnovers versus Iowa he had three versus Prairie View A and M but as a team as a whole versus Iowa you know Iowa State had twelve yeah twelve turnovers and they had twice as many versus Prairie View A and M and that's I think that's what Nate was kind of saying is that you know the the, the teams that aren't the the good teams you know these 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 buy games if you will those teams aren't always in the right position defensively and I think that causes you know some some turnovers. One thing I did want to point out though, you talk about free throws. I didn't realize this until I just looked it up. Iowa State was thirty six of forty eight against AM? Against AM. they shot forty eight free throws. That, thirty six of for forty eight is really good though. I mean, for yeah, yeah, you missed
0: twelve. And that's not good, but shooting forty eight free throws—that's a lot. And what's what's nice about that too is talking about tra- your game traveling. Uh, when I when you're, I remember there was the Oklahoma game when. Oh, they went 31 of 31 from the free throw line back in, in the prom era. it was prom era or Hoiberg. It was definitely right around time of crossover. It might've been one of those prom teams with Fred's players, but yeah, 31 of 31. And I think Iowa state shot like six, like, and it wasn't even barely. Well, if you're shooting, if you're a consistent team with Gilbert going getting downhill, Taman always kind of mixing it up and he's, you know, as, as a guard, it feels like he is more aggressive towards the basket than any other guard on the floor. Like him and Dewan Harris are the same player where they're just in the right spot all the time and no other guards are boxing out other guards at the three point line. So he's just going to, you know, like I remember hearing, uh, in, it was in the, the, what is the, the, the Michael Jordan documentary, the, the, the bulls three P uh, one last, last chance, last, last dance, last dance. Yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, when he was talking about Rodman, the thing that Rodman did really well is understand just by like intuitively ball is coming in at X angle, where is this rebound going to be? It feels like Taman understands that just from being a gym rat, like when he, when you go to, when a shot's coming in, it's probably going to be a long shot means a long rebound. Okay, well, long shot, long rebound. Where's this ball going to bounce to? I'm just going to see if I can find my way to that spot because no one's boxing me out. That's why he gets like eight rebounds a game. just because he's always kind of there.
1: Yeah, and I think um shout shout out to Tamar Lipsey too. He he broke the school record for steals versus uh Prairie and M. Um I would but, say it's basketball history is not that good
0: though. Sarcasm font.
1: Yeah, we've like, we've had some we've had some pretty good sarcasm guys. font. Yeah. Um,
0: never on the defensive <laughs> end has it been very storied.
1: No, and that's and that's true. And and Aiden and I had talked about this before and kind of jumped all over the place, but this Iowa team one, I don't think they're a tournament team. They're they're not good. That I think it's one of the worst Iowa basketball teams I've ever seen. And I grew I was I grew up an Iowa fan, so I watched Iowa basketball and football. Um, you know, until I was probably a junior in high school. This Iowa team is bad. Bad, bad. Like to the point where I think I texted you guys, I was like, are they missing someone? Like, do they have other guys someone's not playing that should be playing? Like, no, these are this is
0: who they got. Well, it just feels like they're not able to match physicality. That's the thing. Because that's what Purdue, I mean, with Zach Eadie and that that team that Purdue's got, they're they're meant, it's going to be a fist fight. That's what Purdue wants. And they're going to dare you to stand in the middle of the ring and trade punches with them. When they got boat raced by Purdue. Well, come against Iowa State, that's kind of what Iowa State wants to do. They just don't have a seven-foot-three guy doing it. They've got a bunch of dudes that are, you know, Rob Jones, who's what, six ten, six nine, six ten, but is the same type of physical and Trey King. Same, I mean, it's dudes that squat and they're trying, they I would hasn't been able to match any of the teams that when you do have to stand in the middle of the ring and just trade you know, swing back and forth. Trade punches, they they can't. They haven't done that. If they if there's a, a team that wants to dance around and play fast and play, you know, pretty basketball. I was better at pretty basketball than anybody else. They're just not, they just don't feel like they have the same tough, the, the amount of toughness needed to match teams that want to, you know, be the Texas tech style games.
1: But they also, you, you gotta remember too, that the last, what, five, six, seven years, they've had, you know, an all American on their team. So they had, Garza then they had <clears throat> the Murray, Murray twins. Yeah. Murray, the Murray twins, you know, Bohannon, they they had those, those older teams. They don't have that this year. I mean, they, they've got, I I take back what I said about about Peyton Sanford. The lights weren't too bright. He seemed like to be their their whole team, um, but kind of like the Iowa women's. You know, outside of Sanford, if if he's not shooting well, I don't even know who they have. Um, and then you look at the Iowa women's. Kelly Clark, she's a baller,
0: but she's, I mean, she's the best women's basketball player in in the country right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, she'll be a number one pick, you know, for the WNBA draft. You take her away though, or, or you know, she had a bad night shooting versus Kansas State, and they lost if she, if she has a bad night shooting or she's not able to get her 30, 35 points, I think the Iowa women's team is going to struggle. I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's cause I'm an Iowa state fan, obviously. And, and you know, despise Iowa. I don't think this Iowa women's team has, it has what it takes to get to the to the final four or to, to the, the well, finals I mean, again. The
0: thing is, is that, but yes and no, I mean, because of how Caitlin Clark can score, well, once that's well, different, like if she's, she changes how, every defense has to play and there's basketball is one of the sports where you know in in football or in wrestling great defense beats great offense pretty much no matter what like if jordan davis for georgia back when he was you know playing college ball and he's playing against you know fill in the blank vanderbilt valparaiso i don't care uh they're when they're playing and you have a dominant defensive tackle or dominant you know sauce gardener or whatever you cannot move the ball if if jordan davis is pushing the center back six yards in two seconds, tough shit. Ball plays over. Doesn't matter. In basketball, great offense beats great defense. You could be in, I mean, Steph with Steph Curry and Caitlin Clark are the same player in that they're going to take a lot of shots and they're going to make a lot of shots and they're going to take a lot of assists and they're going to turn the ball over a little bit more than you want. But because that at any moment, if you play over a screen or excuse me, if you play under a screen, half a count too much, or if you're one step off, she can just pull it up, nail it from anywhere. So like, yes, I think generally speaking on average, there's going to be a team at some point in the tournament that's going to find a way to hold her under, you know, 28. And at that point, do they have enough firepower on the rest of the roster to get them through that round until she can be great again? Another one, probably not. But because of how legendarily good she is and whether or not you like her because she she chirps at the referees more, she kind of talks a little bit more trash on the floor than some people like, I don't mind it generally speaking if you can back it up uh but when but she's so dominant and so explosive from anywhere that that's the difference i mean that's what beat iowa state she pretty much single-handedly beat iowa state
1: she did and and i guess what i was going to kind of say in regards to that too is that finley is a really good coach and the iowa state women's team is a very young team and so i think what's going to happen with the iowa state or the iowa uh, women's team once they get into the tournament once they get deeper into the tournament they're going to run to more athletic teams, more seasoned teams and better coaches and they're going to realize the coaches are going to realize if if they can figure out a way to 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 minimize Caitlin Clark's output and force someone else on the Iowa roster to beat them, there is nobody else.
0: I I mean yeah, I I, I agree. There there's which, which, which is easier said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. Again, it's <laughs> Steph Curry's been a really good in the NBA for a long time and I don't think anyone on the scouting report would be like, "Hey, Let's uh, let's back off of this number thirty. See what happens. Well,
1: and it's tough too when when you literally have to pick her up at half court because
0: she's a, and she's the point guard. So it's not like uh, like Clay, like uh, Clay Thompson using a Warriors again. Like Clay Thompson is has maybe the prettiest three point shot, just the best mechanics. Like it's a gorgeous looking shot. He might have the best shot, but he's an off guard. So you could deny, 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 deny. Then he gets the ball and you're in his jock strap the entire time. Make him get rid of the ball or make him put it on the floor and drive him off the three point line. Steph Curry and Clayton Clark, they're bringing the ball up the court. Like, where are you going to pick them up, you know? At half court, well, they're still quick enough and athletic enough to drive by you, so you have—you can't play so tight. So but it's, it's one of those things that when you have a dominant point guard that can shoot like they do, that's what makes it as impossibly difficult to guard, and that's why it's so frustrating when you're playing against them that, you know, that's the point, the shots you made for that 30,000, or th- th- not 30,000, that 3,000th point, like that was someone else was dribbling the ball up the court from what, I don't know where the, the what the terminology for where the, that court is, but like, like on, the wing. on the wing and it was just a drop off. Like a, a, it was a drop a off whoop, underhand drop it, off and it, take all, it, launch it. And it's two feet. Like that's all the space that she needed to just crank it up. But I will say like with the, the women's game, I was super impressed with Ariana Jackson. Like that I'm big to, fan of hers. That to me, like what stuck out, I mean, all the, all the freshmen that are there, like Naidu is tough as nails. Uh, but as far as like skill develop, like ceiling skill development, it feels like she is sort of like, um, like jazz from last year, like everything she's going to be in the right spot all the time. She's going to be way more, uh, her intensity is going to be higher than anybody else in the floor, but she's not going to give you a 23 point game versus the rest of these freshmen feel like they have really high ceilings, but they also have really low floors. And, but it feels like Ariana Jackson and she's Kendall Jackson's little sister. So Kendall Jackson was a linebacker for Iowa state for a while he and his twin brother played at Roosevelt when I was coaching there and she, I mean, just absolutely great family. Their dad Hezekiah was a football player back in the nineties, like great family. And, but independent of that, when you talk about like Caitlin Clark and her like suddenness, like she is athletic enough. When Ariana Jackson was on the floor, she sometimes got out of position, but that was more like not knowing where to be specifically against a team, a person like Caitlin Clark. But if you were to take Caitlin Clark now and give Ariana Jackson a year of experience, and have her have Ariana next year play Caitlin this year. I think that is a matchup that, you know, Caitlin's still going to get hers, but that's the type of player that Ariana Jackson can play into is that she's going to be that, you know, Gabe Kalsher esque defensive stopper from a guard position because she is, you know, tenacious athletic going to be in the right position. I think she's going to have a little more offense than Kalsher did, but too like she, to me, her and Audie Crooks were the ones and Audie Brown were the ones that those three for real, or for, for me stuck out the most of like, oh shit, this there's some ceiling here.
1: Yeah, Addie Brown's a dog. I mean, she I think she was a an all American, uh McDonald's all American coming into Iowa State. And you can tell why. Like she's tough, man. Yeah, you you can tell. You can tell when when, you know, in in the female game, I was at the game uh last night when Iowa State women played North Dakota State, uh, shout out to Amy and Murray, my neighbors who gave us tickets. Appreciate that. And it was good to see good to see him in person. Um for me it, uh, Ariana Jackson reminds me of Taman Lipsy on the men's team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Just I makes mean, winning plays.
1: Yeah, and you know, really good defender. Just, just tough, hard nose. And she's just a baby right now. She is, and that's that's what's super promising. I think that's what you know. A lot of the women took away from the Iowa game was that yeah they lose, and you don't want to talk about moral victories, but they're a young team, and they're missing their missing their All Big Twelve point guard. Yeah. Um, you know who I, I hope she's, you know, hope she's doing okay and hope we, you know, it, if the circumstances are right, she comes back. Um, but if not, you know, she's doing, you know, what's best for her. But I think this young team, we're gonna see them grow as the year goes on, kind of like the football team, you know, yeah. the, the football team's super young, early on, we had our headaches and, oh, uh, you know, oh, these, you know, Ohio, that sucks. Oh, but as they got older, they matured and they, you know, thrown to the fire, you're either gonna sink or swim and, and our football team is swimming. And I think our women's team will swim as well too. Are they going to be a, a, a tournament team, a sweet
0: 16? I don't know. I think, I think they'll be a tournament team, but yeah, I don't know I, how I, much I, I don't know the, how much they're gonna advance. It feels like that's a matchup thing. Cause they play, they've got bigs and they've got skill, but do they have, you know, if they play a really guard dominant team, I don't think, especially if Emily Ryan isn't, you know, if depending on what her status is, and if Emily Ryan comes back, totally changes the game. But they're not super deep at guard to be able to handle a really guard dominant team if they if that's who they match up with. But if they have to match up with a team, I don't like it reminds me sort of like Texas last year, or the year before that, when they have just like Four six six women that are just on the block gonna satisfy with you.
1: We don't think we don't play LSU, but they got they got a couple I mean, tall girls in their
0: team. They just have better guards. But like that just a, a really forward dominant team, I State can match up with pretty much any forward dominant team. Cause like between Brown crooks and uh uh what's number Z Nadabu. Nadabu. Like those between that group, like and then Naidu and then Jalen Bristow, like playing sort of that like big guard wing position. Uh, It feels like they're going to be able to match up against teams that are really forward dominant. But if there's a really guard dominant team, they just don't have the depth and speed yet to keep up with them for all four quarters. Um, But I was just thinking Jalen Bristow is another one. I think she was she didn't recognize the physicality she had to play with. And she got run over like more mentally than physically. But like I think she got sped up a lot more than she was expecting to with some of the bigs that Iowa had. And the pressure that their offense through Caitlin Clark puts on you of being like, shit, I have to, we have to score in this possession. I've got a decent look. I'm on the block. I got to take this shot. Well, that might not be the right shot for your team there. And you learn that by playing it and then not having it work. And then watching the film of why it doesn't work. And then going, hey, maybe next time I'll kick that out to, you know, whoever fill in the blank to, to, to Jones. And then she's going to find a better entry point, And I still will be able to take my shot but this might not be the exact one. I feel like she is the one that's a lot of them are going to learn lessons, but it feels like that's what Jalen Bristol is going to learn from is that you don't have to like relax and breathe a little bit. You don't have to take every shot that is kind of okay because the pressure that the other offense is going to put on you.
1: Yeah. And you can, you can tell you know, that the, they're, they still do have freshman moments because they are their freshmen, you know, at this time last year, they were still in high school. Um, and I think you made a good point of, you know, Bristol, things were just kind of sped up for, um, and you can, you can tell just out there, you know, the physicality is, you know, she she'll get there, you know, as she has a year in the weight room as she goes through a, a, a season of the big 12. Um, but I think she's gonna be a good one for us too. She's like six two. I mean, I think she was a pretty she's athletic. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. She's athletic. She, she was a high, I think she's a high level recruit for us too. Another one that I think, uh, I was really impressed with last night was, uh, Hannah Bellinger. I think that's her name. Uh, number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's out there stroking. I was like, who's this girl? She's that's a, the that's a Truman, Truman girl, right? Transfer from Truman state. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, I think I also feel like we you can't watch the women's game and not look at Audie Crooks and be like that is future WNBA player. My
1: one knock against her though is when she gets down low, she she'll separate her hands and kind of like a scoop shot, and she you can be four foot nothing and just snag that ball for how low she takes it. Yeah, of just keeping it up. Yeah, that's my knock on her. And I'm obviously you know I'm, I'm sure they get clean up
0: as she goes, but and I think one of the things too is like you you look at her like just phys- baby shack like she's so much bigger shoulder width and height than everybody that she's playing against that and in high school she's playing what 1a basketball yeah like she's never had to move her feet defensively ever because she's just bigger than everybody she has wider shoulders she's like running into a cinder block wall but now you have other people that are going to move you off so i think her big thing that she's in like going to develop over time is kind of her defensive footwork and being able to actually move around a little bit more cause she's capable of it. It's just a matter of a thing that she's never had to do, you know, like it's, it is, it is the, to me, it feels like the basketball equivalent of me pass blocking when I got to Iowa state. And I think I've told this story on here before it was, we did that one of the first drills that one of the first times that I got like laughed off the practice field was we were doing a blitz pickup drill. And, uh, I was in the back of the line and you know, Alexander Robinson's going up against uh Jesse Smith or whatever. And they're going against each other and then the twos and the threes and the two matches two and three matches three. But then the linebacker line was a little bit shorter than our line. So then by the time I got up there as like the seventh guy, their one is back up. So I had Freddie Guerin that was uh as an all-conference linebacker. Freddie G. He was a fifth-year senior and I was a Fresh out of high school, never blocked a day in my life because they just said, hey, Jeff, here's the ball. Go run with it 35 times a game. I never had to block ever. We do blitz pickup, and Freddie Guerin puts his helmet under my chin and gets his hands under my shoulder pads, and my shoulders broke my fall. Wee And Coach Pope, audibly laughing as <laughs> with audibly laughing as I get back there and puts his arm around my shoulder, I was like, well, son, you're going to get your, you're gonna have to get your pads down a little bit. <laughs> hey, I got it. I got it. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, I never experienced but like that. That, yeah. Well, uh, you never got trucked by anybody, did you? I was. I, mean, do, I was the, one doing the trucking. Yeah, that's true. Other than the K State guy, mm-hmm. uh, get your weight up, bitch. That's get right. your weight up, bitch. That's right. But uh, it feels like the basketball equivalent of that is that, like, defense, moving your feet defensively. When you are as dominant in high school as she was, she never had to do it. So now you have to do it, and it feels like that's the thing that she's going to pick up on the more, like, throughout the rest of the season, is how she can use that strength and height and length that she's got. To be able to influence shots in a way that Robert Jones does for the men, in that he's setting offensively, not defensively. Like offensively, he's setting screens to get tame and easy drives, and defensively, he's holding their post. You know, four or five feet further out than they want to be, which ruins the offense. It feels like Audi's going to Audi Crooks going to be able to do that. Just she doesn't know how to do it yet.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've seen too with you know previous years where you've got girls who are more powerful like Audi is. Who you know they, they almost like block out the defender and, and allow just a lane for you know Ariana Jackson to to drive to do a mm-hmm. layup. So uh, you know she'll, she'll learn you know because Audie is as has probably been one of the more powerful girls in the court for most of her life that she's played and and it's a huge adjustment going from what you play Algona I think one A to to Iowa State Bishop Garrigan
0: Bishop, Bishop Garrigan Bishop Garrigan
1: Algona. Algona yeah yep um it, it's a huge adjustment I mean as you know as a football player it's a huge adjustment the speed wise and then for basketball it's a it's a huge adjustment because it's it's Going from 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 that high school to, to Big Twelve play is a big adjustment. So her endurance will will get better as the season goes on when she kind of gets her footing under her and and,
0: and her positioning is going to get better. And yeah, and I, I'm excited to watch this young team go forward. And I, I think they're going to take the lumps and bumps, but it's it's going to help them in the long run. And I I last year I didn't get to do a podcast that was anything other than football because no one really cared. But now, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate that. Now I'm around. As now Aiden's a slave around for all these podcasts. Yeah, Thanks, buddy. Uh, good luck in finals this week. Thanks. Uh, But one of the things that's nice and like this sort of close with this is that just take a moment to that. How cool it is in our state, how good the women's basketball is at at least three of the four. I think you and I is probably holding up the rear a little bit and they're still pretty damn good. But you get Drake, who's probably going to win their conference. Iowa is probably going to win their conference. (laughs) Iowa State last year won their conference and we'll, you know, young this year. And probably, I feel like in a fiddle finish middle-ish of the pack in the big 12, but it's great women's basketball up and down the floor. And like, if you can't get into watching Iowa state women's game, go watch a Drake game. You're going to watch good basketball everywhere. So like that's, I think that's just one cool thing of just, there is good women's basketball all the way across the state.
1: I've got two, uh two last things before I wrap it up. Um One is is a note for our listeners for a future guest, but, we, Iowa State plays Famu on Sunday, Florida AM. Um so Iowa plays FamU in Des Moines on Saturday uh afternoon. Kinda kinda cool, you know. And then Sunday Is that Wells Fargo? Yep. And then the Iowa State or the Iowa women play Cleveland State after them. So kinda cool to uh, do doing a double header. Yeah, double header in uh, Des Moines. Um but Iowa State plays Famu on Sunday. And Famu looking at their looking at their schedule, they are playing a bunch of like power five school, they're getting they're getting paid, just paid, 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 paid to get their ass kicked. Yeah. So they're not good. Um, but I say that because FAMU is a team that beat Iowa State in 2019 70 to sixty eight. Halliburton was on that team, but he was out with like a wrist injury, and that was kind of the uh, the beginning of the end. Kind of the beginning of the end of the fire Steve Prom campaign. So, um, does that come into play at all? You
0: know, across four years, four about? years later, oh, across this, this FAMU
1: because they're the are they the dragons? Look like they like the snakes or something, Famu. What are they, Aiden? Aiden's gonna F- effort. It. I know. I know that their their mascot is like a. I'm gonna say like a rattlesnake, a Famu. What do you got for us, Aiden? Hold
0: on one second. It second. Doesn't have it on their website. Really? What? I'm. I'm gonna say it like just has a logo. Ra- Famu Rattlers. I don't know. It's a great podcast with silence there. Well, yep. so
1: so one one thing too that I'll I'll say for our listeners. So thank you to everyone who's still listening. Um. Fran Freshilla will be joining us on the podcast. Um, yes, a huge, huge guest. Um, he's a little busy right now, so it will take us a couple weeks before we get him on. But after the holiday season uh, in early January, Fran has agreed to to join us for a podcast. So I'm not sure if it'll be in person or virtually or if we're going to be doing it from Provisions. Yeah, I, know, I know he loves Provisions or if we're going to go to his hotel and do it in the lobby. I don't know. But Fran Freshilla has agreed to join the podcast, so that would be fun. Uh, and then also next week, we will have on a, uh, a guest from Memphis to preview the bowl game kind of talk about what, what we should expect from, uh, from Memphis who actually has some familiar faces with, with baby Joe skates and, uh, Jeff Myers, Yeah. And their head coach, um, coached under Campbell when he was at Toledo. So
0: cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing just cause we didn't get a goldfinch athletics interview this week. Uh, we're officially live with the DMPS registration. So we are providing, uh, it's the goldfinch speed rookies program for the elementary school students. So if you are a Des Moines public school, uh, parent, or a kid, if you're a kid and you're at elementary school and you love this, I am sorry for the language we've used, but if you're a parent of a Des Moines public school student and you want your kid to get access to the speed and strength and conditioning, and it's the fun way that we deliver that, uh, registration's live for the, uh, for that winter program, which starts in the third week of January, once the kids get back. And it's also then goldfinch speed junior high program. So the elementary school and, uh, junior high program. So the DMPS, uh, it's the community education programs. We are live with one of those. The link for that I'll give to Aiden to put in the show notes if you are a DMPS parent of those kids. So uh, that's all I got, but we're officially live for the winter. So I'm really excited to actually work with those kids uh, at Central Campus. The Wednesday, it is the junior high, or elementary school is Wednesday nights at 345. The junior high is Wednesday nights right after that at Central Campus. And then on Thursday nights, at, I believe 430 or 445, one of those two nights. But anyway, being able to work with Des Moines Public School kids, that to me is one of my favorite things that we'd be able to get to do. So if you want to sign up for that, if you're doing my public school parent, uh, look for that in uh, the show notes.
1: Uh, last thing on FAMU, did you find them?
0: Rattlers. The
1: Rattlers. Yep. Yeah. So their mascots are rattlesnakes. So, I'm a snake. I'm a slither little snake. A slither little snake. Snake. Uh, thanks for all of our loyal listeners who are still listening. And as always, remember: adopt, don't shop.